What's up, boys and girls, all you wrestling fans all over the world? Welcome to episode 61 of Wrestle Live Radio, the hashtag future WWE manager takeover. My name is Rain, and I will be recapping Monday Night Raw this week. But first of all, let me thank our friends at Wrestle Life Radio for giving me the opportunity to do this recap and, 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 and for trusting me to actually be able to do this show. In lieu of this day and wrestling history, 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 I am actually going to take this time to thank all of our veterans who served our country. Happy Veterans Day to all of you. Thank you for everything that you've done for your service. Thank you for everything that you did for our country. Now, let's move on from the men and women who served our nation to the men in Manchester. Becky Lynch kicks things off Monday Night Raw. And she talks about how she started training in the UK when she was 15 years old. And now she reaches the most dangerous part of her career. And everyone's after her. Everyone, everyone wants a piece of the man. Now, her response to all these people or after her, bring it. And her greatest fear is to actually not be the greatest. So to whoever wants to challenge the man, you heard her, just bring it. Now, we move on to the uh, women's tag title match. And this is actually scheduled to be between Charlotte Flair and Natalia versus the Kabuki Warriors. However, Natalia did not make it due to some um, family obligations. So the man had to step up and replace Natalia in this match. So Becky was actually hoping to once again become Becky Two Belts. But the question is, will she end up Becoming Becky Two Belts again after this match. Well, we'll find out, right? <laughs> All right, so here comes the start of the match. We have a showdown between Becky Lynch versus Asuka. From, from then on, we um, uh, Kyrie Sane gets tagged in, and Charlotte signals to Becky to tag her in. So this is actually my favorite part of the match because I thought it was super funny. When uh, there was an exchange of uh, of chops between Flair and Kyrie, but Kyrie's chops were not really affecting Charlotte Flair, <laughs> and with just one massive chop, Kyrie Sane goes down. So I thought that was actually hilarious. Charlotte tells Kyrie to tag Oscar in. So obviously, great confidence by Charlotte Flair by the Queen, and then guess who shows up? As uh, Asuka and uh, Charlotte were uh, fighting in the ring. Shayna Baszler. And then we go to commercial break. And I, actually, um, I was curious if, if, if Shayna Baszler would actually attack 
any of these women, especially Becky Lynch, or if there were any other NXT women from the NXT roster lurking around the area. Um, so this is actually a great time to go to commercial break because uh, it was such a great cliffhanger. <laughs> but when we come back from commercial break, um, none of these things that I thought were going to happen happened. We still see Shayna Baszler watching the match. So it was Asuka and Charlotte Flair still going at it. Charlotte goes through the ropes and then Kyrie Sane attacks Charlotte Flair as Asuka distracts the referee. So you would think Shayna Baszler will attack Charlotte Flair, right? Or or maybe capitalize um, during this moment. But no, she still stays where she was, close to the announce table, and just watches the match. Asuka brings or puts Charlotte Flair in what I believe Vic Joseph called as an octopus stretch. And Charlotte counters... Asuka then puts on Charlotte in an Asuka lock. And with Charlotte's pure strength, she lifts up Asuka and then brings her down. Becky gets tagged in. She builds momentum as Baszler distracts Becky. Out of nowhere, Bailey attacks Shayna Baszler. They get at it outside of the ring. And Asuka takes advantage of this whole distraction going on and pins Becky Lynch. Bailey attacks Becky because obviously the man wants to go after Shayna Baszler for distracting her. Bailey takes advantage of this moment and attacks the man. So guess who's left standing tall? The SmackDown Women's Champion, Bailey. Will this be a premonition for what's going to happen on Survivor Series? Maybe because Obviously, it's Bailey's been kind of like the weakest link among the th- among these th- three women. So who knows? Bailey might be the one standing tall and actually raising the flag for the SmackDown Women's Championship. We'll see. So now we go backstage. We have Ricochet and Randy Orton talking. And you could hear Orton saying, I do whatever I want. And from, from, from them, we the camera pans over to the OC, AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, and Carl Anderson bullying Humberto Carrillo. And guess who comes in to Humberto's aid? The resident superhero. Pew! Ricochet. Ricochet saves Humberto. AJ Styles tells him, we all can't beat Vipers, right? Which, to me, kind of like, I guess, AJ Styles taunting Ricochet, because Ricochet got RKO'd out of nowhere before. I was thinking maybe it might be a premonition down the line that Ricochet and Randy Orton will have some sort of match against each other, and Ricochet will never beat Randy Orton. But anyway, AJ Styles challenges Ricochet and Humberto in a match if they can find someone who would team up with them, since there's only two of them, and there's three of them in the OC. So, guess who comes out out of nowhere? Mr. RKO out of nowhere, Randy Orton, comes in and tells AJ Styles, 
and the rest of the OC that he will actually team up with Ricochet and Humberto Carrillo. So that's pretty much what's going to be the main event of the night. The six-man tag team match between the OC versus Randy Orton, Ricochet, and Humberto Carrillo. Moving on to McIntyre versus Sin Cara. Now, when I saw this matchup, I thought it was very interesting because... It, 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 it's a massive powerhouse, obviously, with Drew McIntyre against a high flyer, a very acrobatic Sin Cara. I wasn't sure how these two would actually gel together. I thought the match was... <sighs> I want to say good job to both of these guys. Good, cho- good job to both of you for... for being able to pull this match off. I think it was still good. However, however, I saw some things that I was kind of like, oops, you kind of like missed that. For example, Sin Cara was on a top rope or a top turnbuckle and hits the moonsault on Drew McIntyre, which I think it kind of barely touches Drew McIntyre. But given how, how much of a pro Drew McIntyre is, kind of look like it hit him but but then again from from how from from like the way it was shot it seemed like Sin Cara just barely barely hit Drew McIntyre so that was botch number one for me number two would be when Drew McIntyre was outside the ring Sin Cara jumps off of the top rope I want to say he wanted to hit the Hurricane Rana. I might be wrong here. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But the way Drew McIntyre catches him, it it seemed like it wasn't a full-on catch. That's why when he hit that power bomb, it became it looked painful. It was such a massive power bomb that to me, I thought it might have been a mistake because of the way Drew McIntyre caught Sin Cara. But you know what? These two are such pros. They still, I still think they, they made the best out of, of, of what was given to them. In the end, the Claymore kick sealed the deal for Drew McIntyre and he gets the victory. But like I said, good job for, for uh, good job to both of you for being able to do this match because I, I I can't imagine just just having a match against someone who's not kind of like in the same style as yours and obviously with with um, the size difference it seemed like Drew McIntyre was much bigger I mean obviously Drew McIntyre is a big guy but it seems like he's much bigger than compared to Sin Cara so that's that too aside from their wrestling styles but again good job moving on to um Eric Rowan's promo, which was so weird. Uh, it looked like he was talking to something inside a cage. I don't know what it is, but I can tell it was a small cage. So at first, I thought maybe it was a bird, but I don't. I didn't hear any bird noise. So maybe it's a snake. I don't know, but the cage was small enough. So it's it's some sort of animal. It could be nothing, honestly, but I thought that promo was super weird. 
But anyway, his character is kind of like that anyway. So it, it goes well with him. Now, here comes R-Truth. Yeah, he hypes up the crowd, obviously singing his whole what's up theme. And we go to commercial break. We come back. And we see a promo for WWE backstage with uh, Renee Young, Booker T, um, and their special guest, Mick Foley. Um, it's on FS1, and it airs at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I believe towards the end of the show, they also announced that Adam Cole will also be on WWE backstage. So now we move on to the match. The second championship match, actually, of the night. Between R-Truth and the Singh brothers, because one of the Singh brothers is the 24-7 champion. Which, let me, just, let me just say that I am actually annoyed that this was a two-on-one handicap match. Because, first of all, why? <laughs> Why? Because there's only one champion. I get it. They're brothers. They're kind of like a package deal. Whatever. But there's only one of them who's a champion. It's it's only, I believe, it's Samir who is the champion. So why the hell did Samir have to be in the match as well? I don't know. Okay, honestly, this whole 24-7 championship, I think it's funny. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a time filler. But sometimes it takes so much time that, to me, it's it becomes annoying. Because R-Truth didn't end up getting the victory. Spoiler alert on this one. <laughs> because it becomes, it, it, it ended up becoming a chase. The usual 24-7 chase because Samir and Samil ended up running away from R-Truth. They ended up backstage. You know, some, the Singh brothers ended up crashing into the women's locker room, which R-Truth was like, hell no, I'm not going to go in there. And then they come out again and then they run into another room, another, well actually, and they run into a dark room where Eric Rowan was actually, I guess, staying with his little pet or cage. Because it was a dark room. They turn on the light and guess who's there? Eric Rowan. And they get beat up by Eric Rowan. Which I think, after me, after being annoyed about what happened with this whole match, I thought, you know what? Here, here's my payoff. They get beat up by Eric Rowan. Thank you, Eric Rowan. Or beating up the Singh brothers because I am so mad that they ran away from our truth. I mean, come on, there's two of you. Okay, I get it. It's already a handicap match. There's two of you against this one guy. You can't get the job done. Come on. But I get it. It's it's a it's it's a comic relief. But anyway, so we see this, the Singh brothers on the floor after getting beat up by Eric Rowan. And guess who walks in? R-Truth. And he tells them, well, he tells Eric Rowan, you guys need privacy and turns off the light. I thought that was actually funny. 
thank you, R-Truth, for somehow still saving this segment for me. Because, like I said, I was it kind of got annoying for me. Anyway, we move on to uh, Seth Rollins, who comes in, and we see a recap of the NXT TakeOver two weeks ago that started on Friday Night SmackDown, and then ended up on Monday Night Raw as well. So Seth Rollins talks about how Triple H wanted to start a fire inside of him again. But Seth Rollins pretty much tells everyone where he belongs. He belongs on Monday Night Raw. Why? Because it's Monday Night Rollins. And a crowd chants NXT, which does actually amazing. Um, Seth claims to be the best wrestler on the planet in uh, some sort of like mixed reactions from uh, from the crowd. <laughs> so I don't know if a lot of people agreed with him, but I know obviously I didn't. You know, what a great statement by Seth Rollins. Um, and he wanted to challenge United Kingdom's best. And guess who shows up? WWE United Kingdom champion Walter with the Imperium. So Walter says, you wanted the best, and here he comes. So Seth accepts the challenge and tells him his famous last words. Burn it down. And we go to break. We come back, we see Seth Rollins versus Walter. And uh, by the way, according to Vic Joseph, Walter is currently the longest reigning male champion in the WWE. Which, uh, if I remember correctly, Vic Joseph mentioned that Walter has been champion for 200 days. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, that's what I heard from Vic Joseph. Anyway. Walter pretty much dominated this match. I mean, a massive German suplex, a single leg Boston crab on Rollins. I mean, God, Seth Rollins took a lot on this match. I mean, the size difference between these two. Seth pretty much was just a ragdoll in this match. I mean, he obviously tried to fight, but, but again, I thought at first... That Walter dominated this match. Until Rollins finds his opening. He builds momentum. And as he gets ready for the stomp. The rest of the Imperium attacks Seth Rollins. Obviously getting beat up by four men from the Imperium. Here comes the Street Profits to help out Seth Rollins. But they were still kind of down, right? So... Guess who comes in or comes out to join the party? KO Kevin Owens. So now this whole thing going on turns into an eight-man tag team match. So it's the Imperium versus Seth Rollins, Street Profits, and Kevin Owens. So first of all, I don't know why Seth Rollins had to... uh, start this tag team match because I feel like he's gotten beat up already so why would his tag team partners let him start the match again pretty much the whole Imperium uh, dominated against Seth Rollins 
at the, at the beginning of this tag team match. But from getting beat up by the Imperium, here comes Seth with a superplex on Walter. And then KO finally gets tagged in. And then he starts cleaning up the house, hits a swanton bomb, and here comes Street Profits doing their thing. You see Montez Ford flying high, KO with a stunner, and then finally Seth Rollins with a stomp. One, two, three, Team Raw wins. I love this matchup. Um, even though to me, like I said, it was kind of weird with you know Seth Rollins starting starting off this tag team match because he's already beat up. But whatever, I think it was a short but sweet display of um, or I guess showcase of talent, you know, from Seth, Street Profits, and uh, KO. And I think this is also a way to kind of promote how unified Team Raw would be going into Survivor Series. But um, obviously, KO and Seth Rollins will be representing Team Raw along with Drew McIntyre, uh, Ricochet, and Randy Orton. So that's kind of like a nice way to see their teamwork you know, on this match. So from that, we move on to another WWE backstage promo, and we see that Adam Cole will also be joining Mick Foley as special guests on WWE Backstage, which is hosted by Renee Young and Booker T. Now, we move on to Cedric Alexander versus Andrade. Oh boy. I I want to say this is my favorite match of tonight. Kind of kind of or at least one of my favorite matches of the night. But I just remember watching this match. I am glued to my TV because everything's happening so fast. I mean, you have Andrade and you have Cedric Alexander. These guys are both great athletes. It was such a great matchup. I mean, I don't... I'm not sure if this is the first time that uh, they actually fought each other. Maybe not. But but um, again, this is when wrestling styles matter. Or having the same wrestling styles matter. Because I think these guys work so well together. I mean, compared to Drew McIntyre versus Sin Cara. Um, Andrade and Cedric Alexander worked so well together. Because they have the same wrestling style. So we have we see uh, Cedric Alexander dominating this match first. You see a suicide dive and, and a flatliner. But here comes the classic distraction from Zelina Vega, which made Andrade get back his momentum and then hits Alexander with Hammerlock DDT to earn his victory. I must say that even though I like this match, I was hoping for Alexander to win this. Why? Because I feel like this whole thing with Zelina distracting Andrade, I mean, distracting Andrade's opponent, it's, it's, it's been getting old for me. And, and I think Andrade could actually win a match just by being great because he is a great wrestler. And I kind of want to see that. 
because he is capable of winning a match without Zelina's distraction. So maybe they could think of a new gimmick. You know, I thought last week uh, uh, the mixed tag team match between Zelina, Andrade, and uh, Sin Cara and Carolina, Vic Joseph, listen to this, Carolina, not Catalina, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was good because it was a different look as to how Andrade and Zelina work well together as a team. I mean, I love their gimmick. I love how Zelina plays this business associate role for Andrade. But I feel like they need to find something else aside from just Zelina distracting Andrade's opponent. Because I think, I think they're good. Their characters are good. They work well together. But it's kind of getting old. All right, let's move on. Move on to an Aleister Black promo, which uh, to summarize it, Aleister Black wants someone to challenge him. And to quote him, he said, knock on my door and pick a fight with me. I don't know who wants to do that, but I am excited to see uh, someone to finally take up on Aleister Black's challenge because I am tired of seeing him doing these promos of, 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 of wanting someone to fight him. I know we've seen him in a couple matches in the past few weeks, but I think he needs, he needs a consistency. He needs some sort of consistency, not with making promos. I think he's very good at it, but he needs consistency with actually having matches. Because he's a, he's a talented wrestler. So please, WWE, find someone who would want to challenge Aleister Black. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he'll find Eric Rowan's cage and destroys what's in it, and then they'll have a rivalry. I don't know, but... WWE, please do something. All right, let's move on to WWE's tribute to our veterans. Again, happy Veterans Day, and thank you to all of you who served our country. Thank you so much. And let me give a special shout-out to our uh, WWE superstars who also have served Um, our country. We have Bobby Lashley, Montez Ford, and Lacey Evans. Thank you guys for your service. And also thank you WWE for doing this because this is such a great way to honor and to thank our veterans by, you know, allowing this, this time, this, you know, to, to just focus on these heroes because Like what you guys put in your video montage, freedom is not free. So thank you to all of you who served our country. We fade to black, and I thought we're going to commercial. Nope, we're not. This is my favorite. Hang on, let me uh, grab a trash can. I'm about to throw up. Okay, this is... When we see <laughs> Bobby Lashley and Lana arguing. So part of me was like, come on. We had like a really nice tribute to our vets. I had a really, aw, this is so nice. Thank you, WWE moment. And then I see Bobby Lashley and Lana. And my mood just suddenly changed. 
I felt sick. Luckily, we went to commercial break because I had the time to go to the bathroom and throw up, come back, and then, you know, see Lana talk about how she's always been honest. And I love how the WWE Universe is actually booing her. That was amazing, by the way. Um, so Lana talks about how she actually cheated on Rusev, but it's because Rusev cheated on her first. I don't know if I'm going to believe that, but um, here's more uh, information from Lana. She said that <laughs> she and Bobby Lashley are celebrating their sexy versary. I cannot believe I'm saying this. <laughs> They're celebrating their sexy anniversary because seven weeks ago, Lana and Bobby Lashley had sex. After she went to the doctor last week because she uh, ended up falling from, um, I guess, was it Ricochet who hit her last week? I can't remember, but she fell somehow last week and she had to go to the doctor. She finds out that she's nine weeks pregnant. So if we do the math, and thank you, Lana, for making us do math when we were just trying to relax and watch Monday Night Raw. Um, if we do the math, okay, so she's nine weeks pregnant, and uh, her sex anniversary, uh, it's been seven weeks. So Bobby Lashley is not the father. Rusev is the father. Oh, my. So here comes Rusev and the crowd chants, Daddy's home. Uh, amazing. So Lana ends up yelling and attacking Rusev. He's, you know, pretty much like slaps him and attacks him. And Bobby Lashley comes out to uh, Lana's aid and obviously attacked Rusev. Now, on their way out to go back to um, backstage, Lana tells Lashley, I guess she's just telling everyone this. I cannot believe he believed I was pregnant. And, and Bobby Lashley's reaction was classic. Oh, you mean you're not pregnant? And in my head, okay, it's either <laughs> Bobby Lashley's such a great actor, or he made it look like he knew what was going on, or he actually did not know what was going on. Because I, <laughs> I was getting, I was getting a feeling of both. But anyway, after that, they celebrated their, I guess, victory of some sorts by making out, which again made me throw up. Thank you, because I got my weekly Monday night throw up. Oh boy, and we, uh, <sighs> from there we move on to uh, Eric Rowan. As we see him carrying a cage, he comes out to the ring carrying this, obviously, cage that's covered, so we don't know what's in it. And he puts it on the announcer's desk. And he tells uh, Vic Joseph and uh, Jerry the King Lawler to not touch it. And obviously, I mean, I don't care if you're scared of Eric Rowan or what's inside the cage. Just, I cannot blame Vic Joseph for actually rolling away from it because both Eric Rowan and in that cage are both scary. Cause I don't know what the hell is inside that cage. It could be a snake. It could be some honestly it could be nothing. But <laughs> but anyway it's it's scary. 
So I, I thought that was actually good that um, Vic Joseph rolled away from it. But anyway, Eric Rowan had a match against uh, Sonner Durson, and as expected, Eric Rowan uh, dominates this match and ends up winning. So he comes back to the announce table, picks up his cage, and uh, you know asks Vic and King if they touched it. And obviously, they said no. And Vic claims that there is something moving inside that cage. So it's going to be a mystery, and we'll all find out in the next couple of weeks on what's in it. But uh, if you guys want to, if you guys want to chime in, let us know. Post your comments, okay? I think it's a snake. Because if it's if it's if it's a bird, it would have made a noise already. I have birds and they make noise all the time. So, <laughs> so if it's a bird, it would have made a noise already. So it's it's got to be something, some animal that does not that doesn't make any noise. Or like I said, it could be nothing because it's Eric Rowan and he's weird anyway. Let's move on to um, a promo. Of uh, Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster versus the Viking Raiders. Now, I am actually glad that the Viking Raiders did not just have like a match where they're just going to completely dominate their opponents because the last few weeks they've had you know guys dressed up as you know, Cubs players or or what was last week I can't remember but they've had like opponents whom you can already tell they're not going to stand up a fight against the Viking Raiders. So having Flash Morgan Webster and Mark Andrews against the Viking Raiders, it kind of, you know, somehow, although I think it was expected for the Viking Raiders to win, it kind of somehow showed that, okay, we're still going to see something good. And we actually did. I thought so. Because Flash, Morgan Webster, and Mark Andrews built great momentum to start off the match. I thought they had great teamwork. And they they actually put up a fight against Eric and Ibar. However, Eric regains momentum after kicking out of a pinfall, which would have been a huge upset if uh, they, if uh, Flash Morgan Webster and uh, Mark Andrews ended up winning, but anyway, Viking Raiders dominated the match from this point. Mark Andrews tries to save their team by kicking both Eric and Ibar, but he ends up losing thanks to the uh, Viking experience. So again, it wasn't it wasn't like I was expecting the Viking Raiders to lose. But again, I thought it was nice to see that there was actually a match that happened versus the Viking Raiders just dominating their opponent. Now we see Ricochet confronting Randy Orton about his worries of getting RKO'd out of nowhere again. And Randy tells him that the last thing that Ricochet wants is to let Randy Orton in his head, which is true because... It seemed like that's what Ricochet was all, that's what he's thinking about. I mean, we started off raw with Ricochet talking to Randy, and then we see him again getting all worried about getting RKO'd out of nowhere. I mean, come on, Ricochet. First of all, you're a superhero, and I think you've gotten, <laughs> you've, you've taken other blows aside from the RKO, or I guess 
other hits that are much harder than the RKO. So I think you should stop worrying about getting hit with an RKO out of nowhere. I mean, come on, you're a superhero. You got this. So from there, we see a video montage of why Brock Lesnar is now on Raw, which pretty much, it was pretty much a uh, promo for um, Survivor Series. Obviously, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio. And we see, you know, the card for a Survivor Series. And this is where we saw who's representing Team Raw. Again, it's Ricochet, Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and Drew McIntyre. Now, here comes the main event. Randy Orton comes in. And I must say, WWE, thank you for letting us see Randy Orton walk in. This whole ring entrance. I mean, I there's two things that I love love seeing whenever randy orton's around his ring entrance and the rko so thank you wwe because you didn't cut off his ring entrance before we went to commercial break i love randy orton's entrance i think it's it's one of my favorite ring entrances so um i really enjoyed it before the commercial break anyway we come back from the commercial the main event is on between RKO, Ricochet, Humberto Carrillo versus the OC, AJ Styles, Lou Gallows, and Carl Anderson. We started off with Ricochet versus Carl Anderson. Again, pure display of athleticism by Ricochet. Some interesting interaction, though, because you can tell there's tension between Randy Orton and Ricochet. There was kind of a moment when Ricochet tagged in Randy Orton. You can kind of tell there was something weird going on between the two of them. So later on, Ricochet gets tagged back in by Humberto. And uh, Styles and Ricochet get at it. So Ricochet dodges Styles' attack. And, a- and AJ Styles ends up hitting Randy Orton. So obviously, Randy Orton thinks thinks of this as, oh my god, Ricochet somehow attacked me, right? Even though it was AJ Styles who hit him. But I mean, come on, what are you going to do if someone's trying to attack you? Obviously, you're going to try to avoid it, right? But whatever. So the Viper comes into the ring with a somewhat attempt to hit the RKO, but ends up confronting Ricochet. And we see the referee and Humberto try to break it up, and we go to commercial break. So we come back from break. Here comes Humberto Correa versus AJ Styles. Humberto had momentum, but the OC's teamwork almost took Humberto out. Ricochet gets tagged in, does his thing, almost, and I say almost, tag Randy Orton in because it seemed like he was just taunting him, and gets hit with a massive spine buster by Carl Anderson. So the OC pretty much dominated Ricochet. And then Gallows comes in, hits a cheap shot on Randy Orton. And then Humberto gets tagged in again. He builds up momentum for his team. And finally, Orton gets in. He lo- It looked like he was going to hit the RKO on Ricochet. But I love this moment because he was looking at Ricochet. But then he ends up hitting the RKO on AJ Styles. And right after that, instead of getting 
instead of pinning AJ Styles, Randy Orton actually tags Humberto Carrillo in. And Humberto hits the moonsault and pins AJ Styles. One, two, three. And Humberto gets the victory for his team. I must say that that was such a nice gesture if you may say, of Randy Orton to tag Humberto back in to so he could get the victory for their team. You know, obviously, because Randy's a veteran and Humberto is pretty much, I mean, let's call him the rookie. Young kid, you know, starting off on Monday Night Raw. I mean, he recently got drafted to Monday Night Raw. So he's pretty much a rookie on Monday Night Raw. And Randy, seeing Randy Orton giving this kid the chance to pick up the victory for, for their team, That was actually nice and a good display of what Humberto Carrillo can do for the Raw brand and for the Raw roster, I guess, if he were to represent the Monday Night Raw on Survivor Series. So after this whole match, after Orton, Ricochet, and Humberto gets the victory, Orton gestures to hit Ricochet with an RKO. But it was mostly just the mind game being played by uh, the Viper. Because obviously he already knows that he is in Ricochet's head. So now it's all about the mind games for Randy. And Orton tells Ricochet, I do what I want, when I want, wherever I want. And this goes back to what he was telling Ricochet when we started off Monday Night Raw. He told Ricochet, I do whatever I want. So Ricochet, if you still don't get it, watch or watch Monday Night Raw again and listen to this podcast because I'm going to repeat what Randy Orton said. He said, I do what I want, when I want, wherever I want. So Ricochet, I know you're worried about getting hit with an RKO out of nowhere again, but guess what? You got no choice, buddy, because Randy does whatever he wants, okay? So just just be prepared. It's like <laughs> the analogy of this is pretty much just you know, having a 24-7 championship. You're always a target. So now, Ricochet, you are Randy Orton's target to get the RKO. So if I were you, you better watch your back. <laughs> All right. So that is my recap of this week's Monday Night Raw. And here comes my rating. Are you guys ready? All right. Well, my overall rating is... It's an A for me. Honestly, it is an A. And, and not because this is my first time reviewing by myself on WrestleLife Radio. <laughs> I am giving... This week's episode of Raw, an A, because I thought it started off good, and it also ended off, it it ended up being really good, too. I mean, mean, that match between the OC and uh, Randy, Ricochet, and Humberto, I thought that was really good. And with uh, Becky replacing Natalia last minute, um, I don't know how how late they changed this card, but um, with Becky replacing Natalia... For this, um, for the uh, women's uh, tag title match, I mean Becky and Charlotte, they worked so well together that it didn't really matter. You know, it it seemed like it seemed like 
that was a scheduled card. I thought that match was good. Obviously, the Drew McIntyre versus Sin Cara match, that was kind of like, uh, meh for me. Because like I said earlier, those two have different wrestling styles. And they're both good wrestlers on their own. But against each other, I don't know. It didn't really, I didn't really like it. Like I said, there were a couple of botches in that match. But I liked how they tried to um, make the best out of it. So good job on, um, good job to you, Drew McIntyre and Sin Cara. Going into uh, Andrade and uh, Cedric Alexander. Again, I thought that was a good match. But I think Zelina Vega and Andrade, they both need to think of a new gimmick. Because this whole distraction caused by Zelina Vega to help Andrade win, it's kind of getting old for me. The 24-7 championship match, although I was annoyed by it, I thought it had a good payoff with Eric Rowan. Pretty much destroying the same brothers because they pretty much walked into his room uh, trying to hide from R-Truth. Even though I was annoyed, I think it was still a good comic relief in the end. And like I said, the uh, main event with uh, Randy Orton, Ricochet, Humbert Carrillo versus the OC. I thought that was such a good match. And thank God that was the main event and not... The uh, eight-man tag team match between Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, Street Profits versus the Imperium. Because, like I said earlier, I thought that eight-man tag team match was mostly just a showcase of what Seth, KO, and Street Profits could do. But the main event between the OC, Randy, Ricochet, and Humberto, I thought that kind of had more of a buildup. So to end the show with that match... And with Randy Orton pretty much just emphasizing and reminding Ricochet that he can do whatever he wants. I think that was such a nice ending to this uh, chapter of Monday Night Raw. I hope you guys enjoyed my review of this week's Monday Night Raw. Before I let you guys go, I am going to do a quick shout out to, um, to let you guys know. Of where you guys can follow us. I'm going to start off with where you can follow Kyle Polly. He is on Instagram at kyle.polly. Chris Cumby, he is at WrestleLifeHeel on Twitter. You can follow Matt on Instagram and Twitter at WrestleLifeMatt. And you can follow WrestleLife Radio on Facebook and Instagram at WrestleLifeRadio. And on Twitter at WrestleLifePod. And obviously you can listen to this podcast and all of the other episodes of WrestleLife Radio on RadioPublic.com, iTunes, and on Google Play. And wherever it is that you get your podcast. Did I say it right? You know what I mean, okay? Just, just, yeah. That's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as for me, you can follow me on Instagram at WWE What If or on Twitter at WWE underscore What If. And if you are on YouTube or you like watching YouTube videos, please do watch my videos and subscribe to me on YouTube. Um, you can find me at YouTube.com slash WWE What If. Again, thank you so much to Matt. Carol, Kyle, Chris, and everyone at Wrestle Life Radio. And thank you, 
to all of you who um, listen to this episode of Wrestle Life Radio, the hashtag future WWE manager takeover. Until then, TTYL, Jabronis.